primary care knowledge boost, practice managers. Hello everybody and welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today we are talking to Amanda Ormasher and Karen Bradshaw who are both practice managers in Wigan. Yeah, it's a really great episode to find out more about the role and how varied it is. Yeah, essential listening for anyone joining primary care or actually anyone already in primary care who wants to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So in the episode, we go through what a practice manager actually is, um, the routes that both Amanda and Karen took into becoming practice managers and the different remits of practice managers and how it's changed over time. Um, We then cover a little bit about appraisal of practice managers and look at some of the learning points for new staff to learn about the role of practice management when they're coming into primary care yep um it was a lovely episode for us to record and we hope you enjoy it as well so um if we start with introductions um would you both like to introduce yourselves yeah i'm amanda Oymersha. i'm the practice manager at longshoot health center and the call lead for wigan central pcn with karen bradshaw also on the call um and that's a ccg lead role Hi, and I'm Karen Bradshaw, Practice Manager at Mainsview Surgery, and also share the role with uh, as the PM lead with Amanda. Fabulous. Let's start with the basics. So, um, what is a Practice Manager? Um, to me, a Practice Manager is the linchpin of a practice. Um, you've basically got to have your finger in all pies. Um, you've got to be a team leader, you've got to, you're reliable, you've got to be approachable. You need to then be able to do responsibility for the staff. You've got to do your health and safety. You've got all your staff training. You've got to then go on to the accounts. You've got to manage the meetings and basically keep it all together. Yeah, it's the linchpin is a good one. Um, yeah, it's quite funny, really, because I the top line I wrote um, thinking about this question was a person that tells everybody it's going to be okay. <laughs> so I think, uh, yes, we've got multiple responsibilities, claiming finance, HR responsibilities, but ultimately you're a support role, a mentor. Um, you, you mentor both the clinical and the admin team as a practice manager, and you're also um, a central point of contact for multiple people. NHS England, CCG, PCNs, colleagues. Yeah. And then we, we are forgetting the main people in, in, in the general practice, and that's patients who, who, who are in, a, in and out, whether they're complaining, whether they're uh, congratulating you, sending you a thank you note, wanting a question. Um, that, to me, is the main part of the job, is patient care. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit like being a mum at home and you hear mum 20,000 times a day. You just hear Amanda 20,000 times a day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> take a post-it note to the toilet is the big, the biggest tip. Take a post-it note when you go below. <laughs> that is such a good comparison. I'm just thinking back. It is really like that. Um, and so how did you each get into practice management? Well, I've I, I've been I've been there since year dot. After leaving school and going into college, I started off as a junior typist for two of the GPs, doing private work for attendance allowances. Um, from there, I, I moved on to reception, went on to administration. It's IT, assistant practice manager, and and now practice manager. Oh, so you've been through all the roles <laughs> and all the changes as well. Yes, big change, yeah. big changes. Mine was a little bit different. So I was managing a pub and I wanted to do a nine to five Monday to Friday job. Didn't quite pan out that way. But um, 
yeah, it was 10 years ago, I actually applied to volunteer at my local GP practice uh, where we were patients. And I worked there as a volunteer for about six months, really enjoyed it, enjoyed the patient interaction, got a job there as a receptionist, um, kept annoying everybody by asking why, how, how do we make money? How does that work? Drove everybody batty, worked my way up in that practice to become um, a business manager and do some of the claims for the practice, improve income, look at data quality. I then went on to do a diploma in strategic management and lo and behold, I'm now a practice manager and have been in post just short of four years. Amazing. So I'm going to throw in a question that isn't on the list just because of something that you said. Um, you do hear the term business manager a lot and I don't think I fully understand what the difference is between a business manager and a practice manager. So I don't know if one of you can maybe um, try and help explain that. I, I would think the difference, particularly where there's two practice managers on a venue, one one's business and one is a practice manager, I would imagine one looks after more of the finance, the data quality, whereas the practice manager may look after more of the HR side of things. That's my understanding. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Now, you did at the beginning, you did um, kind of allude to the fact that um, practice managers wear lots of different um, hats and that that can vary from from practice to practice, depending on what the setup is. Um, But kind of more formally, what do you see as being the main remits of a practice manager within just a normal bog standard practice? I think you have to be a good team worker, a good administrator and a well-organised person. I think to me are the main three that you need in general practice. I think you have got to be really willing and, and open to change, First, firstly. And the role is about moving at pace very, very quickly and ensuring that you meet the contract. So it's about understanding contracts, but then it's also about looking at the contract and how you actually get from A to B. So you can read the DES LES, but it's putting that in layman's terms and putting processes and policies in place to actually make that operational day to day. There's a lot of finance in our jobs, so there's a lot of claims from multiple sources. There's also a lot of HR responsibility, and often there's a conflict of the two, because whilst you're doing one, your eyes normally off the other. So I think it's that balancing role. But yeah, I agree. I think it is, for me, it's finance claims, um, project planning, looking really at, yeah, delivering a service day to day what looks like on paper a really complicated enhanced service and it's putting that down in terms that your team understand and that's both your clinical and your admin team. That's a good point I hadn't thought about that kind of translation service as well when it comes to it. is a little bit like a translation service and it's in more than anything you've got to remain profitable and sustainable because actually if you're none of those two things you're not going to have a surgery at the end of it. Yeah. And I know it's a really varied, I guess it depends on your practice and things, just generally the sort of shape of practice management. How's the practice manager role developed and changed over time? Well, I mean, I've been in practice management for, well, not practice management, but in practice for a a very long time. And you've got to go with the NHS changes. When when you get one government in, um, set some standards, lasts about three years, you get another government in, it all changes again. And you have to like yeah. start all over again. So from going from your, your normal claims to you 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 on the red book, or going through fund holding, and going over to your CCGs and the PCTs, it's just 
whatever the whatever um, NHS England decide to change in the government, we have to go and fit in with it. So it has changed a lot of the years, especially with IT. Yeah. Yeah, I think my main points of change are IT-based. Um, I haven't got as much experience as Karen. So for myself, I've seen minimal changes over four years. But at the same time, I can't imagine saying, we're going to start doing our asthma reviews via a, a video link, you know, this time 12 months ago. And now we have introduced lots of different IT platforms to deliver online consultations, remote consultations, um, having the ability to text a, a, a patient, have a conversation in that style. Those have been the big changes. But also um, there's a big focus on data quality and submitting what we call CLOIs, so key lines of inquiry. And if your data, if you're not hitting that data, it's really difficult to answer some of those questions when you're evidencing and reporting what you do as a practice um, for your local and national enhanced services. So, say that again, again, Amanda, what's Chloe? So a Chloe is a key line of inquiry. Yeah. And we're answer, answerable to CQC and CCG, and they will look at certain areas of your business as what we define as a Chloe, and you do a submission. So that's normally on a quarterly basis to your local CCG. And it's about explaining how you meet your commissioning intentions or primary care standards. Lots of different words for that, but it means your local enhancement. Okay. And was there, and thinking along those same lines, are there any other kind of um, submissions or reports or anything that the practice manager needs to do regularly? There are, yeah. So we have something called Enterprise Reporting in Wigan, which pulls a lot of data automatically from the clinical system. And that's often used to benchmark practices. So looking at your uptake for perhaps your physical reviews for a mental health patient. So it's only really as good as your quality of coding. Um, so if you don't use the correct templates, you're not going to hit those markers. And it usually isn't that you're not delivering the care. It normally is that you're putting in the wrong code. And it can be as simple as that. So we do those quarterly again. They're pulled from the system. And that's something we do a lot as a PCN. Okay. I think another area that um, has changed dramatically over the over the over the years is uh, working collaboratively with other practices. Mm. Um, from from years and years ago, you'd work on your own practice and just occasionally just go across to your neighbouring practice to see how they were going on. And now all of a sudden, we're share we're, we're sharing patient data. We're uh, working all together, working collaboratively together. We've been running the COVID clinics for the last twelve months. And that's been, that's been a big change as well. Yeah, because I was gonna I was gonna ask actually how the practice manager role has changed with the um, advent of primary care networks actually, and how big a difference that has been for for you guys. It's huge because it's one fail all fails, one success all success, and and seeing to each other's patients delivering cytology appointments across thirteen practices, which has meant patient access is amazing. You can have, you know, you can go along for your smear Monday to Friday pretty much eight to eight, which is fantastic for the patient, but it's it's a very different way of working. Our practice nurses getting used to seeing each other's patients and some of the risk that brings. Yeah. It's been a real learning curve. But you you have to support each other as practice practices as a PCN for the sheer reason one fails, all fails. Yeah. So we did that we did that for our L D project actually. We we ended up almost into practice referring to each other to ensure as a PCN we met the DES. 
So learning disability reviews, was it? The annual reviews? Yeah, so we had, we looked at our uptake and we actually got the uptake in February. We were quite below target for the April. So we worked on it as a practice grouping of 13 sites rather than an individual practice. Right. So tying up a lot of, coordinating a lot of care, tying it all up together. Yeah, and, and as Karen said, with the clinics, the, we did a mass flu clinic due to social distancing at the time, uh, but we, we needed a bigger venue. We've now gone on to deliver a, a 13 practice COVID clinic, which runs pretty much five days a week, if not six. <laughs> <laughs> it's really impressive. Do you think you'll keep some of the changes, the, like the flu clinics, the bigger venues, pooling resources? I think... I think- if we get the resources, if we get the, the the funding, I think it will be something that we will keep in the future. But uh, there's obviously a lot of talk, a lot, a lot of meetings to go on to, to discuss that further. But it has worked so well, like you say, what Amanda says, from the flu clinic in October all the way to starting the COVID vaccination clinics at the end of December. And we're currently what currently doing about 1,200 patients a day, COVID vaccinating patients between the 30 practices. So many. I really don't think that general practice will be sustainable as a single practice. And I, I don't think our jobs will look the same in 10 years. And I don't think it'll be quite so insular. I think it will be as a PCN. I don't think 13 sites are all going to deliver diabetic reviews in 10 years time. I think one site will perhaps do those and the other site might do something else. And I would imagine as the practice manager role, that would be the same way. Mm. One of you might deliver the HR, one of you might deliver the claims, one of you might do the accounts. That's how I see it going. That's interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting, subspecialising, because it's so many hats, isn't it? And then this year with the PCN roles, I mean, all the meetings that you must have to be in to try and sort all the vaccine clinics as well. It is too many hats to to sustain it, really. There's only so many hours in the day. And I think we'll touch on it throughout this. But the only way you can do that, in my opinion, is to share that out. Because, for example, 13 of us submit the same document every quarter. That seems crazy, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. There's so much more we can do if we look at it as, as a grouping as opposed to individuals. Yeah. The next bit we have before we actually move on to talk about your kind of week and your working on a day-to-day basis is just what sort of opportunities are there to um, kind of develop and grow and things in the um, practice manager role? Um, Because I know you've you've both kind of had that working your way up to the the job, but once you're in the job, is there much scope to be able to to move anywhere else? I think like Amanda says, I think practices may start joining together. So you'll all start working together and and developing into an, into an area that you specialising or what you're interested in or there's even you know becoming a partner with one of the GPs that's even in a possibility as well I think with the development um, there's a lot of roles that are almost like a portfolio GP but a portfolio practice manager for example I'm an education lead for Wigan I'm the lead for the CCG alongside Karen so there are other areas of interest it, it depends how much time and willingness you've got. Myself and Karen, a bit of gluttons for punishment, I think. We do lead on quite a few things. So we lead on the PCN finance for the COVID clinics at the moment. Karen looks after all the rotor planning, and that's for the, for both PCNs. 
So there's loads of ways you can actually develop your role as a practice manager, aside from just the day-to-day running of the practice. I think that's just basically what, what, what your interests are. I mean, I'm more of an organisational sort of person and like to get to in the grips of organising all these clinics. So I think that's why I put my name forward to, to set out the rotors, to go down to the venue, to, to make sure the venue works for the, for the patients and the workflow and the, the patient flow where Amanda might be more into financial issues or another manager might be more into HR or whatever area they're interested in. Definitely. Karen and I um, complement each other's skills really well operationally and I'm a bit more of data quality, search happy, love data, love looking at finance. So actually, as co-leads, it works really well. I can imagine. (laughs) I love it. These are all the skills that I just don't have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Amanda pulls it off together and she makes me do the donkey work. <laughs> I love it. Um, so um, we know that obviously practice managers do a lot, but on a day-to-day basis, um, can you talk us through your normal working week? A normal week? I mean, you can't have a normal week in general practice. Every day is different. It's not going into the office and just being sat in front of a computer day in, day out. I plan a day before what, what's going to be happening the next day. So if I've got if I've got a palliative care meeting, I'll make sure I've got the agendas ready, of the all the people who I need in that meeting are going to be there. Or if I've got the health visitor coming, I'll make sure we've got the, the nurses are there with any safeguarding issues or or any queries for, for mums with UB or whatever. But you get into that morning and you might go through your palliative care meeting, but whatever hits you, whatever comes through that door, it could be anything. It could be from a patient complaining. It could be from a, a tap dripping, that the, a light bulb's gone. Somebody wants a holiday. Uh, what, what clinics are you going to do? Can't find your vaccines. It could be anything. So you, you do try. I do try and plan and time management my day, but I guarantee it never ends up at the end of the day. There's still some, something I've still not done because something's come along. And um, and amongst all of that crisis, you're trying to deal with all the things that you're uh, supposed to do and all the reports you have to submit and everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, I'm sure Amanda's the same. I, I do I do try and think like, right, okay, I need to put the claims in. It's coming to the end of the month. I need to put my PPA claims in. in. I need to do that. I need to, I need to do uh, the accounts or, or the, the wages are coming up. Now, that's one thing I do do. <laughs> you know? and, and, but you can guarantee, you know, you, there's always a knock on that door and there's, it could be anything. Yeah, I colour code my diary. So somebody once said to me, at the end of your day, if you're going to feel anxious, basically put some vomit on a page and prioritise it. Colour code what you really, really have to do the following day. Yeah, and I do that a lot. And actually, I go in there thinking, as long as I get those three things that are green done today, it's been a good day. And if I don't, I can only do what's within my control. But I have to, there has to be an end point because I think in our jobs, you could be there 24 hours a day and still not get finished. So you really have to have that skill of what can wait What's not going to cause anybody any harm by waiting, i.e., yes, payroll needs to be done. But there are certain things that nobody's going to get hurt if that waits until tomorrow, until the next day. I think with the GPs, it's not about lack of appreciation. I think it's a different priority level. So what their priority, and this goes for all staff, actually, what their priority is on that day could be really tiny on my list of to-do things. But I have to give it as much importance because to them, it's really important. So if they're 
if their printer isn't working, they can't do a clinical session, albeit I might be processing a claim for £30,000, but I've got to get that printer back working. And it's that that knocks on your day and patient care. Every day you go in with the best of intention, this is what I'm going to do this day or this week, and it's turned upside down before you know it. You you rejig it. Um, I often say to my assistant manager, what are your key things you have to do today? What's the only thing we have to do? And we have to remind ourselves of what that priority is. That's a good point for anyone to take on board, I think. Yeah, it really is. That's really useful. really like the idea of colour coding. Um, so in terms of appraisals, can you talk to us a little bit about practice managers being appraised by doctors, which was new to me in terms of information? For, for many years, the doctors haven't done my GP appraisal. Um, it's always been the business manager and myself, and we've shared the role because the, the GP just said, like, oh, you, you get on with it, we're fine. Um, so with my business manager now retiring, uh, next year might be totally different because they're going to have to do my appraisal. What, what, um, yeah, talk to the structure because I don't know anything about this. How often do you need it and... So an- annually, uh, we should be appraised, and I have been appraised by our GP partners. And as fantastic as they are, it's a nice chat and it's very supportive, but I wouldn't say it's an appraisal of such. I wouldn't particularly feel challenged or mm-hmm. that, that I've got much job satisfaction following an appraisal. And that's without any disrespect. It's more of a supportive chat personally I would prefer another practice manager to appraise me and probably one that I don't know so from an external body um not not to catch me out but actually there's something about keeping you on your toes isn't there and saying well could you do it better and what are your weaknesses what are your challenges and as a peer you understand that much in much better context I think that's completely right because if you look at the uh, like the the GP appraisal process, it is by a GP that you don't know um, who is a working GP because they understand the job role. So I guess it does make sense. Yeah, and again, it goes back to the understanding of the role. Um, it it's without blame, but it's really hard to get some protected time um, following my appraisal. Interestingly, I now work at home one day a week. Mm. That's just time to be on my own and concentrate on the bigger tasks, particularly around finance, because some days the door, and it's never shut on purpose, but it's just revolving and it's sometimes too much. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand. They know we're busy. They just don't know what we're busy doing. (laughs) So thinking about that then, um, what, what would you want new staff coming into primary care to understand about your role? For me, what I would really like, um, particularly practitioners to understand, are the contracts themselves and the enhanced services. Because I struggle to sometimes understand how we can deliver a service if we don't understand and really analyse what those desis mean. And sometimes you feel like it's a bit of a shoot the messenger as a practice manager. And I think the other thing is about understanding the practice structure. So... Whilst it's easy to go to the practice manager with a niggle, a problem, it can't all be filtered through one person. So we house 25 staff and you do end up being that go-to person, rightly so, for 90% of the things that come through my door, where some days you do feel like everything just comes because you're the the central piece and often the only full-time employee as well in general practice. So you're the constant face of the practice. 
So that that would be what I would enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Amanda. I think I think you've got to understand the structure of of the practice and why. If I if I go and tell tell the girls on reception that we need to get some health checks in, they need to know why they're doing that health check. It's it's, it's yeah, it is. It's a structure, um, the the main thing, and also keeping up to date with forever changing NHS. Especially this this last year, this last twelve months, we've been inundated with emails from say this time last year. We were on information overload. Yeah. But it is you have to keep on top of every 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 new challenge, every new change that is coming in. Then you can then be proactive to then disseminate it down to your practice. I think one other thing that's really important in our practice, and something that I often say is, I'm not clinical. I've no desire to be clinical, and that decision sits with you guys. So our partners are fantastic. We meet every Friday, but as the practice manager, you're looked at in that leadership role. And sometimes you have to be brave enough to step back and say, that is a very much a clinical decision and one that I'm going to pass back to you. But you you are kind of looked at sometimes in that slightly clinical capacity, particularly by the admin staff. They will come in and ask ask me something that quite clearly is a, a question for one of the doctors. So it's, it's knowing what to deflect and what to safely deal with. But then it's an understanding from the GPs that actually whilst we are the, the leadership team, the, the less clinical knowledge I have, in my opinion, the better and the safer our patients will be. Mm. And I truly stand by that. You're really good at what you do and let me be good at what I do. And it's about defining those and not crossing over those lines. I was thinking about staff, a, a GP trying to fill in payroll. <laughs> like no one would get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so kind of summing up then, what I, I know we've covered a little bits there, but um, just from the general chat, what would be your take-home points that you want the listeners to to remember from the chat today? I think if, it, if I was to speak to an aspiring practice manager, I would say, um, you know, come along if you embrace change. And if, if that's not for you, it's probably not the right job. Enjoy your job. And the minute that you stop doing that, perhaps it's time to move on. Certainly some practice managers who I've come across over the years have, in my opinion, feel a little bit bitter and a bit like we've tried that, we've done that and a little bit beaten by the job. And I love my job, so I'm quite the opposite. I'm usually the one that's quite positive in the room. And I think it's, yeah, putting it's learning to put a bad day to bed, isn't it? Getting up in the morning and saying, well, yeah, all right, I didn't get my full green list done, but today's a new day and I can and if something changes, you've got to look at it as a challenge and not a, a kind of beating. Um, I definitely think the the key thing for me is change. And the final thing I would say is when you're asking yourself any decision, just ask yourself if it's good enough for your own family. If you're looking at your services, if you're looking at online telephone consultations, how long should an appointment be for a cancer care patient? How long should you have for a disease review? What would you be happy with your mum having? There's your answer. Can't go far wrong. <laughs> yeah. And Karen? I think um, if you're going into this job, to think that you're not on your own and that you've got your other managers and networking with all those managers and the support around and that if you are stuck or have a query or a question that you can just pick up the phone and speak to one of the practice managers that are in your PCM which I find very, very helpful. It just strikes me of how little 
I think people appreciate you. (laughs) I don't know if you feel the same, I guess, because I'm, you know, it's very much a depends on your team, doesn't it? But as a, as a role, I mean, you've been so practice managers this year, nothing would have got done. I think, I think as well, I think I don't, I just don't think it's um, the practice manager role either. I think it's uh, any, any, any role in a GP practice um, as a, even as a receptionist, you are, people apply for a receptionist job and they think they're just going to be sat on a reception desk answering the phone and booking patients in. And it's totally not. It's totally not. They, they, they're going home and they're running, rushing around and they're, they're doing this, they're sorting out patients. And, and, it's, it, and I think it's just people just perceive it's just a totally, totally different role. But it's really hard as well not to make the job sound horrible because it's not. Don't no, it's do a lovely a job. job. Well, it must be a lovely job because I've been in this job all, all, from being a, from leaving college. So it's a great job. We have. I love it. It's so satisfying. I can't tell you how many smiling moments you have in a day. Really, really hard, really stressful, but I wouldn't do anything else. So mm. it's that what I'm really... Me and Karen both look after practice manager resilience for um, Wigan CCG. And we're really passionate about the job if you're not happy doing it, life's too short. Don't do it. Move on. <laughs> so we're not hard done yeah. to. And sometimes I feel like our job's given a bit of a nasty stigma. And actually, it's really hard and it's really this. And it is, but it's really enjoyable. <laughs> it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> definitely comes across. You, you both, yeah, definitely it does. It comes across as like if you're into kind of organizational and you're driven and you're yeah you can get a lot of job satisfaction if you like being in a whirlwind and on a roller coaster yeah yeah, it's a great job (laughs) I think I I think what I like about the job is 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 the patients it's the job public it's 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 getting that lovely little old lady coming in thinking she'd won the lottery because you've offered her a covid vaccine to to the grumpy little fella who's not got his prescription on 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 time to a a family that i've grown up with then you see the the grand their children having children and um it's just lovely to see and i just love dealing with the public well i'm definitely going to keep that in the edit because that was lovely (laughs) (laughs) end on a massive high yeah yeah thank you so much guys amazing so what did you take from that lisa um, I think the biggest thing was um, the bit right at the beginning when um, they said that it was like a, a mum job yeah. <laughs> um, in primary care. And I literally think that completely sums up the rest of the chat that we had. Because yeah. um, as soon as she said it, it just like, yeah, it was a light bulb. And I was like, oh, yeah, they literally are like the mum of the practice yeah. and they do everything and everyone goes to them for every problem. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my biggest learning point. Yeah, it, about you? it definitely did remind me of, yeah, when there's several little kids it's all wandering around and that's mum 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 pulling on the coattails um it, i i can relate to being one of the people who's <laughs> <Yep>. just <laughs> talking about printers it's amazing how much all the it side of things <laughs> matters but yeah it, it's just such a varied remit obviously that's an absolutely tiny little chunk of all the other hats that they wear and it, yeah. i loved talking i just loved how enthusiastic they were about it yeah it really came through it did. You can tell that they really love their jobs, actually, um, which I think is so nice um, to still be enthusiastic. Yeah, despite um, this job, year. Even after this year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, I mean, what so a year. So that was lovely. 
Um, and I think, uh, yeah, this year probably really showcased their role really well um, about the kind of that central, like I think it was Karen that said it was that linchpin, yeah. um, kind of keeping the practice together. And I think this year has been a great illustration of that. Yeah, considering how much general practice provides so much for services of the NHS and the practice management role is actually the linchpin of of general <laughs> practice and, and, you know, how much they've done in terms of coordinating all the primary care networks and vaccine centres and things. It's just like actually massive. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking about that. Like I hadn't fully appreciated it until um, Amanda was saying it about the the deses and the contracts and how they kind of just get doled out. And then I hadn't thought about the fact that someone in the practice, i.e. the practice manager, has to sit and go through that contract and figure out how are we as a practice going to deliver that. Yeah. Um, and that is a huge job on top of everything else that they're doing already and yeah i i really didn't think i'd fully appreciated that um until until she said yeah it's incredible so thank you to both of them and thank you to all the practice managers yeah. <laughs> um so and if you'd like to get in touch with us about the episode or about anything else you can there's several ways um we've got an email address and it's primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com and our twitter handle is at pckb podcast yeah, and we also have a survey, um, which is anonymous, and we put the link in the episode description for you. Um, and it takes about a minute if you want to give us feedback that way. Um, and we love hearing from people in all different um, avenues. Um, so please do get in touch if you've got any comments you want to make or any suggestions, because um, we do love to hear from you. Yeah, till next time on Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. This was recorded in Greater Manchester in 2021. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.